Kings, this is Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast, a podcast for women, where the conversation is about us, our relationships, and every area of our lives. This show is about unity, support, kindness, and keeping it 100% real. So we can rise up, move, we've got the victory, burn us Hey, queens. What's up, kings? And hey, good people. This is Sharonda Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2022. (laughs) That applause and all those cheers are for you. If you are listening to this, that means that we made it to see another year. I am happy to make it to see another year because many people did not. I'm happy to be back talking to you, my listener, and I want to start with you. I've been away from the show now for a couple of months. Many of you can probably figure out now it's been to the uh, sickness and passing of my sister. I obviously needed to take time away from the show to be with my family. And, you know, as a podcast host, you feel like if you're not uploading shows, nobody's listening. If you're not uploading new episodes, nobody's listening to your show. Well, I want to take a moment and tell you, my listeners, first of all, I'm glad to be back with y'all. You guys are the wheels on this wagon. And this wagon don't go if y'all don't show up. And let me tell you about y'all. I would get on my laptop at moments at the hospital when my sister was resting and I would look at the numbers of how many people were listening to this show with no new uploads since November 9th and I was just blown away. There would be days where I would literally, my mouth would drop and I would just shake my head and be in awe of you, you. You who's listening right now, I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe that you take time out of your day to come to this podcast and listen to what my guests have to say. And I just want to say thank you. I want to start this episode off by talking to you because you guys have blown up this show. Not only in the United States of America, but worldwide, I am currently being listened to and have been listened to in over 58 countries. I can never have imagined when the Lord gave me this podcast that I would reach this many people, that so many of you guys would share this show, that you would show up every week and listen to what I'd have to say and what my guests have to say and what I want to talk about and some of the things that you guys have emailed me and said that you want to talk about and you want to hear talked about on the show. Thank you. And I have to give a huge shout out to one country that I had been waiting on, y'all. I had been waiting on them. And every time a new country would show up as a listener and have listened to multiple episodes, I would just always say to myself, where is Africa? Where is Africa? Ain't nobody in Africa listening to the show. Well, on this break, not only is Africa listening to the show, Kenya and Nigeria in Africa are listening to the show. And now I'm just going to tell you, and I got to give them an applause. Thank y'all, Africa. 
I've been waiting on y'all. I've been waiting on home, the motherland, to come through and listen to episodes of These Three Things Podcast, and you have. And so now I'm waiting on the Congo. Y'all tell your friends over in the Congo, because I know people in the Congo, and I'm looking for Ghana to pop on up in this thing real soon. Come and join. Come listen. I have plans to get to Africa real soon. As a matter of fact, about a year ago, November, I had planned to move to Ghana, like literally was planning to move to Ghana, had started the process, started doing paperwork, and the Holy Spirit was like, not yet. Like right in the middle of my planning and preparation, got my money. I'm like, I'm going to move to Africa. I'm going to go live in Africa for a while. And the Holy Spirit was like, nah, not yet. Not yet. So it is my plan to get to Africa. Africa, welcome to the show. Thank you for listening to These Three Things Podcast. Thank you, listeners, for being day ones. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you for all of my new listeners. You are welcome to These Three Things Podcast. You can reach out to me on these3-things.com on the contact page. You can reach out to me on my YouTube channel at These Three Things Podcast on YouTube. You can DM me at These Three Things Podcast on Instagram. You can Facebook Messenger me on These Three Things P. And you can also reach me on Twitter at These Three Things Podcast. Today's episode is going to be about the loss of my baby sister, Latoria Alexander McKenzie, on Christmas Eve. And I want to talk to you about COVID-19. I'll be right back on the other side of these breaks. Enjoy. For almost a century, Scarrett Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Scarrett Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding, a 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Scarrett Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website at scarrettbennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. Hey, Queens, Sharana Reeves here. Thanks for listening to These Three Things podcast. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on These Three Things podcast, please shoot me an email at these3thingspodcast at gmail.com. I want to know what queen conversations you're interested in talking about. I want to hear what you feel like black women need to address, discuss, and pay attention to in 2022. So again, if you or someone you know has a business, an idea, a thought, a conversation, a situation that you feel we should be talking about on These Three Things Podcast, reach out at these3thingspodcast at gmail.com. Hey, queens, kings, and good people. This is the hardest episode I've ever recorded for These Three Things Podcast. It's definitely taken me the longest. I want to accomplish two things in this episode. The first thing is I want you to know a little bit about my sister, who she was, and her life. And I want you to know how she died. And before I get started, I want to say this because I want to be very clear. This episode is not an intention to scare anyone. 
It's not an attempt to shame, convict, or condemn. It's an attempt to share my sister's story. And all that I ask is that once you listen, ask yourself, would you want to die this way? Would you want for your mother, your wife, your husband, your sister, your brother to die this way? And depending on the relationship with your family, if you say no, then just take a moment to consider how you are moving out here in the world in the middle of a global pandemic where hundreds of thousands of people have died. And what you may could do differently to stop this madness. My sister's full name was Latoria Shalee Alexander McKenzie. We all called her Toe. T-O-E, Toe. She was 47 years old. She married the love of her life, James McKenzie, whom she met at MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University. She was a student. He was a football player. They were married for 28 years and had three daughters. Alexandria Nicole, who's 27, lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, engaged to be married this October of 22. Carrington Elizabeth, 21 years old, former soccer star and college athlete. And Kennedy Lynn, the baby, 16 years old, a senior in high school. Toe was funny, and at times she was inappropriately funny. She was the type of funny that you could be in a room with her and everyone in the room is doubled over laughing at something that she said and she's not even cracked a smile on her face. She was the humor in the family. She was the person that we looked to when there'd be a death in the family and we'd all be mourning and she would come up with some memory about that person that would make us all crack up laughing and ease the pain that was in our hearts over the loved one that we just lost. Toe was smart. I had no idea that my sister was smart because most of her high school years, I was away at college already. She got her bachelor's, she got her master's, and all three of her daughters were all 4.0 students. Toe was a day one daddy's girl. We have so many stories of Toe telling dad things that he wasn't supposed to know, surprise gifts that dad was supposed to get that he wasn't supposed to know about. Toe would tell dad. We always would laugh at this funny story of when Toe was a little girl, daddy used to come home from work at about 1130, 1140 every night. The thing that Toe and dad had with each other was that Dad always had to bring Toe snowballs. You know, those little hostess snowballs. Sometimes they're white, sometimes they're pink. Well, every night, Daddy would bring Toe a snowball. And they would sit and talk about whatever happened throughout the day. On this particular night, earlier that day, Mom had bought Dad a watch. And I think the watch was for Christmas, if I'm remembering the story correctly. And so she turned around and she looked at us three girls and she said, Listen, do not tell your dad about this watch. It's going to be a surprise, so don't tell him about the watch. And we all nodded our head and was like, okay, Mama, we're not going to tell Daddy about the watch. We're not going to say anything. And she turned and looked at Toe, and she said, Toe, do not tell your Daddy about this watch. 
And she said, I'm not going to tell him, Mama, I promise. I'm not going to tell him. So that night, Dad comes home from work. He has the snowballs, and he and Toe are sitting and talking. And all of a sudden, my mom says she hears Toe whisper, Daddy, you want to know what Mama got you for a surprise? And Daddy said, yeah, baby, what did she get me for a surprise? And Mom said, Toe whispered, Mama got you a new watch. (laughs) And Mom said she yelled from the other room, now, Toe, I thought I told you not to tell your daddy he was getting that watch. And Toe would just laugh because we all knew that if it was a surprise that needed to be kept, do not tell Toe. Because Toe was telling it, especially if it was about dad. So she was just a day one daddy's girl. And he just loved that. She was always going to make sure that her dad was okay. Toe was a true diehard University of Alabama football fan. She loved Alabama so much. Her classroom was decorated with University of Alabama gear, posters, schedules. We actually buried Toe in a crimson and white casket. We know she'd have been super proud for us to have done that. We wore crimson and white to her funeral. Anyone who knew Toe knew that she was just diehard Bama. Another funny story about Toe was the year that Toe and James got married was my senior year at the University of Alabama. That year, our women's basketball team was making our run to the Final Four. We had scheduled the wedding all the way into April because we didn't really think that we would still be playing in April. It's sad to say, but it's true. She stretched the wedding out into mid-April because she thought that our season at Alabama would be done. As luck and fate would have it, we were still playing. So I was supposed to be a bridesmaid in Toe's wedding, but I wasn't able to because at that time I was in Texas playing in the Elite Eight. I remembered them talking a little bit about that on the air that day that I was missing my sister's wedding. But I'll tell you what. Toe never complained. She was never upset. She was never mad that my basketball schedule conflicted with her wedding day because it was Alabama. When I worked at the University of Tennessee, it was an act of Congress to get my sister to wear orange. She did it because she loved me. But please believe when my time at the University of Tennessee was over, I don't think you could probably find any orange in her house at all. Toe was an amazing mother. She doted over Alex, Carrie, and Kennedy, and so did all of us. She was the perfect girl mother. It's funny because my older sister, Christy, always said that she's so happy she didn't have any girls because Christy has two sons. I'm the middle child, and I have a boy and a girl. And Toe had all girls. So it's really funny how things turned out, but we look back and we would always talk about how God gave us all exactly what we needed. Christy was anti-sharing and did not like anybody in her things, so having all boys was great for her because nobody was touching her things. 
Me, I was always, hey, you can borrow this, you can have that. I was always the free spirit. Never mind girls wearing my clothes or friends borrowing things from me. So me having a son and a daughter was kind of perfect for me because the tomboy piece in me and the athlete loved having a son and the girly girl and loving to dress up and wear nice things was great because I had a daughter. Toe was girly girl from day one. Frilly dresses, lace dresses, all those things that you put your daughters in, Toe was about that life. She always would give the girls like little funny targets when they were little of things when they got a certain age they couldn't do anymore. And her oldest daughter, Alex, was addicted to her pacifier. She called it Fassy. And so Toe had started letting her know that when you turn two, you got to let your Passy go. You got to let it go. And so leading up to Alex's second birthday, Toe had kind of had the conversation with her so many times that the morning of her second birthday, Alex got up <laughs> and walked into Toa James's bedroom, took the pacifier out of her mouth and laid it on the nightstand and said, hey, I'm two today. <laughs> I don't need this anymore. <laughs> she never looked back. And we all thought that was so funny because Toe would always do a great job of prepping them about what's to come so that when it came, they'd already have their minds set on, okay, this is what we're doing. And my heart breaks because I know that my nieces really, really relied on their mom. And this one has been the hardest to record because even though me, Christy, mom, and dad, are all going to do everything we can to try to step in and fill the void. We know that we will never be able to really truly fill the void that they're feeling with the loss of their mom. And the fact that they even have a void is the hardest part. Toe was a baker. She could bake anything that you brought to her you bring her a recipe in one try she could make it to perfection what a lot of people didn't know about toe is that toe was three classes away from graduating from culinary baking school she had written a business plan and had planned to open her own bakery in murfreesboro tennessee and not one person in our family doubted that that bakery was about to take over the borough because she was the truth We'd already deemed her as the next matriarch to take over cooking all of the family meals when the elders had decided that they were done cooking and was retiring. We already knew who the next person in line was that was going to take over everything. And not only could she cook, she could bake. So we were getting double and was looking forward to it because we knew we were going to be in good hands when Toe took over. Toe was a school teacher and she loved to teach. She taught science and math. I had no idea that my sister was so adored and inspired so many people until her funeral. I didn't think that the line would ever end for teachers who came to pay their respects to her, to students who came and paid their respects to her, who stood in line to just shake somebody in our family's hand and let them know what she meant to them. Students who talked about how she inspired them 
how she encouraged them, how she meant so much to them from colleagues who talked about how special she was, what a great coworker she was, how kind she was, how funny she was. She loved teaching school. She loved it. Unfortunately, she contracted COVID-19 while teaching. Unfortunately, my sister isn't the first teacher to die at the school where she worked from COVID-19. When my sister contracted COVID-19 at work, she came home unknowingly and gave it to her husband, who was also hospitalized, and her baby daughter, Kennedy. I received a text message from Toe on November 22nd saying to me, Sister, I just wanted you to know that I was in the hospital with COVID. When she texted me, I replied to her, I know, I heard are you okay? And she says, I feel better today than I did yesterday. And I text back and I said, can you talk? And she said, yep. And so I called her and we talked. And we joked on the phone because I was like, are you serious? You're going to go in the hospital the week of Thanksgiving? Who's going to make all these desserts? And she laughed and she said, I know, right? Like I was laying here thinking the same thing. Thanksgiving is going to suck. Who's making desserts? And so we joked about that, and she promised me that she would make it up for Christmas. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that she wouldn't make it to see Christmas. Not only was Toe hospitalized with COVID, about a week after she was admitted into the hospital, her husband James went into the hospital as well. He immediately had to go on dialysis because the effects of COVID was trying to shut his kidneys down. My mom and dad had to go pick up Kennedy, the baby daughter who also had COVID-19, and take care of her, which was really a very dangerous situation for my parents who are both vaccinated and boosted because they're older. Shortly after being in the hospital and receiving dialysis, my brother-in-law James was released. Kennedy got better and Toe was still in the hospital. On Thanksgiving Day, I talked to Toe, and we talked on the phone briefly. She wasn't really looking very well, but she said that the doctor had told her that she would have at least another 10 days to stay in the hospital. 10 days turned to 31. My sister Christy and I were keeping in touch every day with mom about how she was doing. Prior to my sister getting sick, the rules were that no family could be allowed on the ward of covid just for fear that they would contract, family members would contract COVID and then spread it within the family. After research, hospitals realized that patients with COVID could not spread COVID, and so family members were allowed to come in the room because they felt it made the patients fight harder to live. So after a week or so of Toe being in the hospital, my mom was allowed to go there and be with her. And so my sister Christy and I were keeping in touch with how she was doing through mom. During this time, I don't think anybody in our family thought that she would not recover from COVID. She was receiving oxygen from a machine called a BiPAP. A BiPAP is a machine that basically goes over your entire face and is pushing oxygen, uh, you know, in your nose just so you can have additional oxygen because COVID actually attacks the lungs and I had to start doing a lot of research once my sister contracted COVID because I wanted to understand what type of questions we needed to be asking the doctors in this process. 
So what I learned from my research on COVID was that COVID basically comes in and suffocates you from the inside out and it destroys your lungs. The lungs of a person who has died from COVID-19 look worse than a chain smoker who has smoked for 40 years straight. My sister was claustrophobic. So this machine strapped around her face, blowing oxygen into her face, gave her anxiety. And when she felt her anxiety rising, she would take the mask from her face just to calm herself down. This was lessening her oxygen, which was a bit of a concern for the hospital. So they started to give her some things to calm her anxiety down so that she could keep the mask on her face. I never knew Toe was claustrophobic. I didn't know that about her. After week three of my sister being in the hospital, we received a phone call from mom, who was hysterical. She had just left the hospital. Toe was okay. They were taking her back to do x-rays on her lungs, and somehow Toe had an anxiety attack and had to be put on the ventilator. My mother was hysterical. She was unconsolable. And my sister Christy and I got on the phone and realized it was time for us to come home. So we booked flights on the same day. I got there first, rented a car, and waited for Christy to get there. And we drove home. First thing the next morning, we were out at the hospital, and we were in the room with Toe. She was miserable. So now imagine someone who's claustrophobic having a machine that goes through her mouth, down her throat, and into her lungs that is now strapped to her face. You can't swallow, and your mouth is open the entire time while this machine is pumping oxygen into your lungs. Because this panicked my sister, they had to use wrist wraps to hold her hands down so that she wouldn't reach up and try to remove the ventilator. So take a second and imagine if you're a claustrophobic person having something over your face, pushed down your throat, and you can't move your hands. And in the process of those two things, imagine trying to fight for your life in the midst of it. I cried for my sister because I could only imagine having to overcome your worst fear while you're trying to fight for your life. The day that me and my sister showed up that morning, we were talking to Toe and we were telling her that you're going to get through this. You're going to make it through this. I was telling her to take her mind somewhere else and not think about all this equipment that was on her, but think about getting out of here. Think about the bakery. Think about Alex's wedding. Think about all of the things that we have to do. She turned and made eye contact with me and just looked at me. At this very moment, I still try to understand what that look was saying to me. I questioned myself and asked myself, why didn't I ask her questions? Why didn't I ask her something where she could nod her head and tell me what that look meant? I knew she was miserable. We all knew she was miserable with that ventilator, but none of us could bear losing her. The goal when you have a ventilator on 
is that they need you to have the ventilator on and be somewhat awake. You being somewhat awake helps them to see how the ventilator is working and it helps you to start to be able to push more oxygen and breathe more oxygen on your own so it can gradually get you off the ventilator. It was really hard for Toe because, again, her claustrophobia and everything that was going on with her all at one time was really just a lot for her. We held her hand. We talked. We prayed. We played music. We rubbed her her forehead and talked to her. She squeezed our hand. She nodded her head. She could answer our questions. Also, what a lot of people aren't aware of is when you have a ventilator in your body, you can't swallow. So therefore, someone has to come in and, like they do at the dentist, suction out your throat, suction out your mouth. And because mucus builds up in your lungs, they come in with this really long wire and they stick it down your ventilator tube all the way into your chest while you're awake, which gags you so that you can push up the mucus that's in your throat. So we're watching our sister deal with all of these things. And it's clear that she's fighting and she's trying to be here with us. She's trying to stay here with us in the midst, in the midst of all that is horrifying to her and honestly to us. On the Sunday before Christmas, I came back to Savannah, Georgia, because I didn't want for my son to be alone on Christmas with everything that was going on. My intention was to go back after Christmas and be with sister until she got out of the hospital. I came home on Sunday, and by Wednesday, I got a text message from Christy, my older sister, saying, when can you come back? And I text her back, and I said, do you need me to come back now? And she said, yes. I booked a flight the next morning to leave and go back to Tennessee. Thursday, the day before Christmas Eve, I get to the house and I'm having a conversation with Christy. And now they have decided to paralyze Toe. They want to paralyze her and sedate her and keep her completely sedated in hopes that this will allow her lungs to heal and it will take away her anxiety and the claustrophobic feeling that she is suffering with. Christy and I both sat there that night and we thought this could really work because her anxiety is really just, it, it, it takes over. You know, she, she doesn't like all these things on her. It, it's freaking her out. And she's trying to, you know, overbreathe for the machine. And it was just a lot of things going on. But that night we felt... Like, okay, this could really help her. She'll be sedated. She won't know that she's paralyzed, and it will give her lungs a chance to just recover. We went to bed that night feeling like this was the answer. Mom spent the night at the hospital because she didn't want for any one of us to be there other than her. And only one person could stay, so Christy and I went back to the house and went to bed. We woke up to a phone call in the morning where Mom told us that we needed to come out there and we needed to come out there now. We get to the hospital and we find out that through the night, sister's 
right lung had collapsed and her left lung was forming holes. There was nothing else. There was nothing else they could do. In that moment was the first time that I realized I was about to lose my sister. We talked about it as a family and decided to get the ventilator off of her, take all of the equipment that was on her off of her as soon as her daughter Alex came in from Knoxville. We all wanted to be there. The doctor told us that it would only take minutes before she would pass, but if you knew Toe, that was going to be a lie because she was a fighter. When Alex arrived, we shared with her everything that was going on and what was about to happen. Our family was in the room. They had taken Toe off the ventilator and... The worst thing that I ever could have imagined happening, I witnessed. I heard my sister gasping for air to breathe. In the last minutes of her life, you really saw the effects of COVID. My sister was struggling with every breath, trying to grab every bit of air that she could grab. The sound was horrific, so much to the point that my mom and dad couldn't stay. They had to leave. The nurse came back in the room, and she put some drops in sister's mouth. (sighs) The drops were to quell her anxiety and to numb her so the sensation of suffocating wouldn't alarm her. We talked to her. We said our goodbyes. We promised we'd take care of the girls. Tears rolled down her face as we talked to her. In the end, it was me, Christy, her husband, James, and her daughter, Alex. I watched her heartbeat monitor. I watched it go from 50 beats per minute to 42 beats per minute to 38 beats per minute to 30 beats per minute to 27 beats per minute to 20 beats per minute and then zero. And my sister was gone. Watching my sister take her last breath forever changed how I see death now. In her eyes, for whatever she was seeing and wherever she was going, it didn't look like a place that she didn't want to be. 
I stood there in the room and I wondered if her spirit was hovering over us and if she could see us. I stood in the room mad and angry that someone who was so sweet as my sister Christy called, she was the best of the three of us and she was. Why she would have to die such a horrible death. Angry that some virus had just come and snuffed her life with all that she had going on and all the things that we needed her to be here for, all of the things that her daughters needed. And then I thought about all of the families who were not able to be in the room with their family members who died like my sister just died. COVID will not affect everybody the same. Some people will contract COVID. They'll have a rough battle and they'll be okay. Some people will contract COVID and have mild symptoms and keep it moving. Some people will contract COVID and die. Don't be overconfident. If you've contracted COVID, you had mild symptoms and you were okay. Thank God. COVID is no respecter of person. It is no respecter of race. My sister was the only African-American in the ICU at the hospital at the time. The day before she died, four other white citizens who were on the ventilator's rooms were empty. My sister's last morning alive. I had no idea that dying of COVID was so tragic until I witnessed it in my sister. But even before I witnessed it in my sister, I have maintained trying to stay six feet apart from people. I have maintained trying to wear my mask when I'm out in public or around people that are not in my family, and I know their comings and goings on a daily basis. I have been vaccinated. And trust me, I am the most skeptical of our government in this country. Black people have been used as guinea pigs on multiple occasions, and there's proof and documentation of that. But what I also had to look at as well was that I took my children right to the health department or to their doctors and got them vaccinated for things that I was told that they would need and never questioned or considered what was in it. And my children have been fine and they've been healthy. I didn't take the vaccine until it had almost been till, till over a year after it was released. I get those of you who are skeptical and have concerns and don't trust the government. I get that. But I'm just asking you to consider if you don't trust the government and you don't want to take the vaccine, well, then do your part in other ways when you're out and about and you're not feeling your best or you have the sniffles Protect yourself so that other people may live. You may not die from COVID-19, but your sister might, your mother might, your child might. I hear certain news outlets say things like, the mask doesn't work, it's been proven that it doesn't work, this doesn't work, and that doesn't work. We should do herd immunity. 
eventually we're all going to have it and then it'll just go away. COVID has no plans on going away. As you can see, there's a new mutation every other month. We are the reason that this virus is going to go away. And I want to say this lastly before I close. Many of you are thinking that if by chance I haven't really protected myself and I do get COVID and I get really sick, I'll just go to the hospital. Let me tell you about the hospital. While you've been living your life and believing that COVID isn't a big deal and you're not going to get it and you're not going to protect yourself and God forbid you give a damn about anybody else. The people at the hospital have been fighting this virus for almost two years. They're tired. They're worn out. They're depressed. They're sad. They're angry. They're overworked. If you want to take yourself and trust your life inside of a hospital where people are truly doing the best that they can, but are truly overworked and exhausted, go right ahead. Hospitals are not what you think they are right now. And as a matter of fact, it's the last place you want to be. If you have fears and you don't like needles and you don't like people poking on you, you don't like to be in hospital beds, you don't like hospitals, you're claustrophobic, you have anxiety, COVID is not the virus to get. This isn't really that hard. It's about doing just the basic command that we were all given in the very beginning is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And I can comfortably stand here and say that because I didn't just start wearing a mask and staying away from people. And if I didn't feel well, I didn't go around people. And I protected myself so that other people could be protected when my sister died. I was already functioning that way. But someone sent their child to school when they didn't feel well. And now my sister is dead. It's up to us, people. Again, this isn't an effort to condemn, convict, or shame. It's an effort to really tell you what dying from COVID is truly like. And again, if you've been fortunate enough to have it and you've survived it, Please don't walk around cocky and overconfident telling everybody about how you had it and you had mild symptoms. You should get on your knees and thank the Heavenly Father that that's all that you had and that you're still here to even talk about it because you're not special. You just were spared and survived. And for all of you who are friends or know of someone or know of someone's family member who has died from COVID-19, please don't ask us all of the questions that you feel you need to know to comfort yourself. Like, were they vaccinated? Did they have any pre-existing medical conditions? Were they overweight? How was their health prior to COVID? Were they black or white? Because when you've lost someone that you love, none of that even matters. 
And if we cared about each other enough, none of those things would be relevant. And any false security that you may gain from eliminating yourself from getting COVID or dying from COVID when you ask those questions are all just rubbish. Because COVID affects all of us differently. And you could never know how it will affect you until it infects you. I don't have these three things for the end of this episode, but I will say three things here quickly in closing. Protect yourself. Protect others. Love thy neighbor as thyself. I'll see you next time for another episode of these three things.